You're listening to the After Movie Diner with your host, John Cross. How's your weekend going? The weekend was good, man. It was a good guy's weekend. I had a couple of buddies over, and we just, as you saw, went apeshit watching (laughs) ridiculous movies, so it was fun. (laughs) Yeah, you watched some uh, 80s romps this weekend, man. Yeah, we did. You went back to some of my old stomping ground with uh, Hamburger the Movie and... It was good. uh, Hot Dog and (laughs) King Frat you watched. like Ridiculousness. Complete ridiculousness. It's almost like you were hanging out with uh, Mo Porn there. I know. Well, a lot of the movies came from his little list that he gave me, so... (laughs) Oh, he gave you the list. Yeah, because I asked him because my my buddy Brian has been doing a, a like a movie podcast for like a couple of years now and he messaged me like last week because they uh usually just review like new stuff right like new movies and he'd been wanting to do older films and I've been wanting to do something on my own for a while now too sure so we decided to do it and I wanted to start off with some good some good classic romps so I messaged Mo and asked him for a list of some some good movies. So we didn't get to watch Splits though. I was pretty upset about that. Well, Splits <laughs> is really hard to find, dude. Splits. Is... I got it on eBay. I bought it on VHS off eBay for like fifteen bucks. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and and I have uh, I got a VCR because at work we're getting rid of all our old VCRs. So I snagged like two or three of them to keep for myself. <laughs> nice. Good work. And, sir. I had one at home, and I went upstairs to grab it, and I brought it down, and I was like, oh, shit, I don't know if I have the cables for it. And I didn't have the cables for it, so we weren't able to watch the movie. I was pissed. <laughs> oh, that sucks, man. That sucks. We just got a VHS player recorder thing. Yeah. Splits is great. I've been trying to get hold of Splits forever. I kind of think that Splits and Hots are my two favorites. I, I, I only got about a quarter of the way into Hots before I started to lose my faculties last night because I was drinking quite a bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so this I have to rewatch it. This new podcast, man, tell us all about it. Is it just going to be you and him the whole time? Yeah, it's just going to be he and I. And, um, yeah, it's just something that we've been wanting to do for – well, I've been wanting to do for a while. I mean I love guesting with you with you uh, uh, when I do. But I've been wanting to do something on my own for a while. And I've got a little bit of a background in radio. I did it in college and stuff. And I've al- I'd always wanted to get back into it. So, Okay, so before we go on, Alan, why don't you tell us who's our guest on this episode of the After Movie Diner? Well, thank you, Jeff. It's John, actually. I'm not listening. On this week's show, Jeff, we have none other than Scott Toomey from the wilds of Massachusetts. Born to Celia and Celia Toomey in 1908, Scott's early years were mainly spent burrowing for truffles and punching Yorkshire Terriers in the face. It was then that he found a deep and abiding love for burying his privates in mounds of matted wolves fur while watching Little House on the Prairie. This led to his arrest for possession of porcelain models of Michael Landon in the woods of New Hampshire wearing little but some wolf fur undies and a tank top with Ellen Barkin on it. It was around this time that Scott's urban cowboy problem started and several bars around Boston reported their mechanical bulls soiled with Toomey residue. He did another stint inside. While there, he met a kindly wizened old gentleman called Colin, who had been in prison since 1878 for smuggling ducklings, but just had a really bad run of luck when all of his appeals attorneys turned out to be Welsh. Colin told Scott of the wonders of cuddling little people in a hammock on a spring afternoon, and since then, Scott has been a changed man, devoting his life to helping others mainly with their cereal, their chocolate, their roast potatoes, and out of their clothing. Currently studying a course in Sydney Greenbush Studies at the College of whatever the flipping heck it's called, we are happy and proud to welcome this reformed Hellraiser to our show. 
Was any of that true, Alan? I'm still not listening. Can you get out of my face? So let us talk about um, Black Gun <laughs> and Black Belt Jones. Uh, which, which one do you want to do first? I don't know, dude. Uh, should we should we tackle what Black Belt Jones first? I feel like there's there's I feel like there's slightly less to talk about just because there's sort of slightly less substance to it. And I don't I agree. I don't mean to <laughs> I don't mean to knock Black Belt Jones because it is wow. a, it is a fun funky movie, but it is it's it's almost pure um, kind of action chop socky fun. <laughs> It's yeah, not, uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't go much deeper than, uh, you know, a bit of a, a bit of revenge here and a bit of we've got to keep the karate school open and all that yeah, kind of thing. The, the so. plot was not very in-depth. No. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but a great cast. And, and so, yeah, let's start with, with Jim Kelly and Black Belt Jones. The um, great Jim Kelly. Yeah. I have this on the four film favorites set. Um, oh, nice. Which is a, a great set. You get Hot Potato, Black Samson, Black Belt Jones, and Three the Hard Way. Um, <laughs> and I still, I believe that's still like quite cheap um, uh, to pick up on Amazon. But you can also watch this um, on the wonderful streaming service Brown Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that how you you ended up seeing it, dude? Not not for this one. Um, I did the so I've I, I yeah I. Uh have an Amazon fire stick and I hacked it. So okay. I can watch, I can watch a decent amount of things, uh, that they have on there. But, uh, so that's what I did for black, black, black Bell Jones, but for black gun, I, um, I, I tried to watch it on Brown sugar, but I couldn't stream it to my TV and I didn't want to watch it on my iPad. So I just ended up renting it, renting it for like $4 on Amazon, which wasn't a big deal, but, uh, both of them were quite an experience for me because I've never delved into the black exploitation film genre. Never, ever, ever. Right. Um, so it was you... never something that really, uh, and it was never something that really piqued my interest. But this this was fun. <laughs> no, definitely. No, no, no. What I I was interested because I've had obviously Doug on here. Uh, Doug and I are sort of both kind of not connoisseurs, but certainly like. Um, big fans of this sort of era of filmmaking and yeah. can talk with sort of some knowledge and certain passion and and uh give that side of things and obviously last episode we had the three black geeks on here and mo all of whom uh i mean the three black geeks specifically come from a very cultural place obviously with yeah. it but um mo who again like doug um and uh but also uh, like the three black geeks has a certain affinity for these movies and loves them and <laughs> could well, speak I love the way they look. right uh, so i thought let's get scott on here um mm-hmm. because you you have no background on it and i, I what i wanted to kind of um highlight i guess is my feeling that at the end of the day they're genre films yeah and at the end of the day it doesn't actually matter uh uh Who's starring in them? I mean, it it does in the in the case of their um, abilities and their charisma, but in terms of their race or where the film is set or when the film was made, is sort of irrelevant. You know what I right. mean? Like uh, they're no different to a Chuck Brunson movie, or if you skip forward to the eighties, a Van Damme movie or whatever. They're the same mm-hmm. kind of. Of, of genre genre film but so when you say that this has never piqued your interest before what is your movie background like if you've got three genres you could pick that you're going to sit down and watch what are they um okay 
I so my I, I would th- I would say that my favorites are probably ho- horror films, horror films of the 80s and the 90s, and and of course the mid to late 70s. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of 80s, not just teen sex romps, but 80s teen comedies. You know, like the John Hughes films that we've talked about yeah. uh, right here on the After Movie Diner podcast. Indeed. And uh, <laughs> and then um, hmm, I don't know that I I don't know I don't know that I could choose a third uh, a third genre because i do like all films right um but i didn't i i guess before before knowing you i didn't have any friends that were um i guess as adventurous when they were seeking out movies to watch right no i get it so, no, and, and and i think it's interesting then we've kind of spoken up until this point all the times you've been on the show, we've spoken about stuff that were very much in your wheelhouse. Yep. Okay. So that makes sense. That's cool. And yeah, I, um, you know, my one of my big uh, genres, it turns out, is action movies, which mm-hmm. in a weird way, I didn't know or call, kind of hadn't put a name to till I met Doc in a yeah. weird way. Because although I'd seen Lethal Weapons and Die Hard, I'd seen probably all the action movies you'd seen. So yeah. the ones everyone sees, right? The Lethal Weapons, the Die Hards, and all the rest yep. of it. Beverly Hills uh, Cop, sure. Sure. But I'd never kind of gone beyond that into the realm of, um, you know, uh, Van Damme or Jeff Speakman or Steven Seagal or any yep. of those things, really. I mean, a little bit, but not much until uh, I got to know Doc. And then... Um, Obviously, when something when Jackie Brown came out, I think like a lot of people, I was sort of like, "Oh, what's this black exploitation thing from the seventies?" I think a lot mm-hmm. of people that that kind of piqued my interest. I had already seen, I think I'd already seen Shaft at that point, um, but I certainly hadn't delved into things like Black Belt Jones, Black Gun, things yeah. like that. Um, I had seen. I'd definitely seen Hell Up in Harlem and um, Black Caesar, the two Fred Williamson ones. Okay. But again, kind of Shaft, um, Hell Up in Harlem, uh, Black Caesar, um, Bone with Yafet Koto, they're more, um, they're more sort of uh, gangster films and or detective films. They're more, um, they they could kind of sort of star or cast anybody okay. uh, to some extent. And, and, and there is, um, and they're, they're definitely, they're definitely not what you think of. What, what you think of when you think of black exploitation is sort of what we were talking about last week, which is like the pimps in the loud clothes and the big yeah. cars and the, like the right. real stero- stereotypical type it, stuff. Right. So like Superfly and, and, yeah. uh, um, uh, Willie Dynamite and things like that, and and I'm I'm with you to some extent. When I was younger, that sort of thing wouldn't have interested me. Mm-hmm. And so I had seen the gangster film, I'd seen the detective film because those are genres that I generally like, and I don't care really who's starring in them. And I like right. Fred Williamson and so on. And it was really with Pam Grier when I started to get into Pam Grier films and I started to get into her Philippine movies and her Roger Corman films. And then I saw Coffee and I saw those films that that I was like, oh, okay, so there's this other thing as well. There's this sort of action, uh, grindhouse exploitation type element to it. Um, mm-hmm. And then as I sort of spread my wings and started watching everything, I realized there was 
action films, westerns, uh, horror films. Um, and, and I suddenly realized, as I've said on every episode that I've done about it, but I realized black exploitation is an era, it's not a genre. Yeah. Uh, people tend to go, oh, well, it's all pimps and hookers and drug dealers and gangsters and things like that, and that's what black exploitation is. And it's not at all. Um, black exploitation is an era at the beginning of the 70s where African Americans were, f- for the first time, really making their own cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Black Belt Jones, that's just a big way to introduce it, but Black Belt Jones essentially is the, um, obviously the Enter the Dragon or the, you know, it's, it's the Bruce Lee films, which were yeah. hugely popular both in the African-American culture, but just in the culture in general in the 70s. But the Bruce Lee films, um, which would then later obviously be uh, the... Van Damme films, the Seagal films, the Jeff Speakman films, whatever it is. It's just those martial arts films that were becoming big at the time. And they went, well, Jim Kelly's a, a black belt. And Fred Williamson was a black belt as well. And he did. He never really sort of did chop sake in the same way that Jim Kelly did. But yeah. uh, he certainly does like karate chops and punches in some of his films <laughs> and, and throws and things. But it, but it was definitely off the back of... Um, uh, obviously, Jim Kelly had been in Enter the Dragon, but like off the back of those films, that um, something like Black Belt Jones gets made um, and uh, gives Jim Kelly the chance to not only star in a film, but also to uh, show off his karate work. And after this one, he is then in Three the Hard Way, Take the Hard Ride, Hot Potato, Black Samurai, Black Belt Jones 2, and, and this sort of sees him. Uh, all the way through into the uh, early 80s um, before he sort of gives up for a while. Yeah. Um, And he never really kind of continued in the way that Fred, Pam, and Jim Brown did. Um, But he was definitely in the the 70s, that that kind of group of people, um, in that kind of group. So when you first sat down to watch Black Belt Jones, dude, having set it up like that, and I apologize, but first of all, what was, <laughs> what was your history with martial arts and or action movies of that ilk? And secondly, what did you think you were, get, you were like letting yourself in for? What did you think you were going to be seeing? Okay, well, before, uh, before I watched these two movies, my, I, I, like embarrassingly, my only experience with black exploitation movies would be uh, the spoofs, like I'm going to get you sucker or, uh, even black dynamite. Like those would be, and maybe even, um, the last dragon. I, th- I would think that those probably, those three movies would be like the only, you know, quote unquote, uh, black exploitation type of films that I had seen. And two yeah. out of three of them are kind of, well, maybe all three of them are kind of spoofs <laughs> right? in a way. But, um, in terms of my experience with martial arts movies, I've actually always been a big, uh, martial arts, um, fan. I got into Bruce Lee. I think I watched, uh, I caught the last dragon on TV once, um, when I was probably in junior high school and seeing that movie then led me to seek out Bruce Lee movies, Chinese connection, fist of fury, uh, enter the dragon, all the, all the good ones. Yeah. Um, and then of course I was a big Van Damme guy when I was a kid and, uh, the perfect weapon with Jeff Speakman was like one of my favorite movies to watch when I was a kid. Um, so martial arts movies have always been, I've always, I've always loved martial arts movies. Um, when, when you suggested these two movies to watch, uh, I looked Black Belt Jones up on IMDb and saw that Jim Kelly started it and I knew him from Enter the Dragon. So I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be cool to see Jim like in his, in his element, uh, carrying a movie on his own instead of being a, a side character in a Bruce Lee movie. Yeah. So I was pretty excited about that. And of course, 
seeing, you know, his uh, skills, I guess you could say, in Enter the Dragon, I was excited to see uh, the stunt work and the fight choreography for this movie, too. And but I but the funny thing is, I, I, I think I expected a more serious movie. Right. I didn't know that it was going to be basically an, an action comedy. And, and, and I thought it was great. Yeah, no. Well, they always it was a lot of fun. They always they always whip in uh, a, a little bit of humor, and they always whip in like a little bit of uh, social message. I can't say that Black Belt Jones has a ton of social message. Mm. I guess Gloria Hendry's character is, you know, don't underestimate me just because I'm a woman. I guess right. has that aspect to it, as a lot of the um, uh, sort of kick-ass women in these films did. Um, you know, even the one, even Willie Dynamite, which we were talking about last time, has a really the lead character is not Willie Dynamite at all. It's Diane Sands, who is the lead female in the film and is certainly the verbal and mental ass kicker. And then you have Pam, obviously, who is then followed by people like uh, Gloria Hendry and Tamara Dobson. Gloria Hendry, of course, who would show up in what they call the black exploitation bond, which is live and let die. Aha! As uh, Rosie, is it Rosie Carver? I think it's Rosie Carver. The yeah, they actually they Rosie. just have her listed as Rosie on IMDb. But that oh, okay. was the other interesting thing, though, was when I was watching Black Belt Jones, and I'm like, oh, I recognize them from Live and Let Die. I recognize that guy from Live and Let Die because there's another another actor in here who was in Live and Let Die as well. But I forget which. Uh, oh, which the one little it was. fat guy. Yes, a lot yep. of the same guys in that in those movies. So um, you 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 see repetition all the time. You only have to click on one of these guys on. Um, IMDb to check out their listing, and you know yep. Gloria Hendry is in Black Caesar, Hell Up in Harlem, Black Belt Jones, um, a lot of those films, and uh, Across 110th Street, um, Slaughter's Big Ripoff. You know she's in she's in a ton of them, um, and then uh, like you say in Live and Let Die, uh, the guy who plays Whisper, Whisper, that's it. It's Earl Jolly Brown is the chap you're talking about. He plays Jelly. In Black yeah. Belt Jones, he plays Whisper <laughs> in Live and Let Die. Um, and he goes right into, like, Beverly Hills Cop. He's in Beverly Hills Cop and uh, and a couple of other things. Not a oh, huge no. not a huge filmography, but uh, he's yeah. been in some uh, uh, very prominent films. Let's just let that ambulance go by. It's New York. What can I do every time I, I sit know, down I to know. fucking record to <laughs> get this shit? Um <laughs> But yes, okay. So you went in, and you were expecting it a little bit to be a little bit more serious. But you were put happily yeah. pleased that there was like a kind of comedy to it. Absolutely, yeah. I thought it was, it was, it was a, it was a. I know I say it a lot when I'm on your show, but it was just a. It was a really fun movie to watch, and uh, it was the you know the acting is you know uh, par for the course, I guess you could say, but. Everybody, I think it, it's, it just seemed like everybody knew knew what they were doing. They knew what they were getting themselves into. They weren't taking themselves too seriously. It was a fun, chop type of flick, and I, I really enjoyed it. Right, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, certainly 74 is sort of a, a couple of years into um, this era, and they already know because everyone's certainly involved in this has been to see films either on 42nd Street or on Hollywood and Vine, depending on which coast you're on, but where the audiences of the time, especially to Hong Kong action picks and also to some of the black exploitation films, were, were uh, reacting to them in a very enthusiastic way 
fun vocal way like they were event movies in that regard um you went along in order to like just be thrilled and entertained and so on and you know it's only in really the advent of video that you can kind of look back at them and actually see some of the depth that's in some of these films and uh and some of the films we've covered both this time around and the previous time we did the black exploitation era even in films that look fluffy on the surface, have some stuff going on in them. But this was definitely, definitely directed in a how do we take Enter the Dragon um, and, uh, you know, those kind of films and transport them to a, a, um, you know, a exploitation California kind of setting, because this is set in California. Yeah, Um, a lot of uh, recognizable uh, scenery in in this movie. For yeah, me, anyway. <laughs> definitely. And it's directed by um, Robert Klaus. So it's even yep. directed by the same guy who would do Enter the Dragon. Oh, and, wow, yeah. And would go on to do Game of Death yeah. and then would go on to do China O'Brien and China O'Brien 2, as well as a lot of people's uh, uh, favorite cheesy 80s action flick, Jim Carter. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Robert Klaus was definitely a guy who, let's say, knew his stuff uh, yep. when when he came to this um, or was certainly a workman style director who could um, put together an action movie that was slickly paced and you know humorously and entertaining uh, entertainingly presented and I like the fact that every time you're on the show you're like oh this was a really entertaining movie because that's kind of like that's kind of what I like. Yeah. You know, I don't really have a genre. I'll watch a sci-fi movie. I'll watch an action movie. I'll watch a, a horror movie. It doesn't matter. But I got to be entertained, and it, yeah. you know, and I like a nice. This is a nice, lean, eighty-five minutes action comedy. Like you say, it knows what it is. Yeah. It sets up its. Uh, um, Not a lot of dialogue. Right. It sets up its <laughs> premise, and then it's essentially well, what do audiences want to see? They want to see Jim Kelly kicking ass and taking names and yep. all right they want to see gloria hendry standing next to him kicking ass and taking names you know what i mean and if if that means that we set up a situation where the mafia are trying to buy out an old dude's karate school um <laughs> then uh who, who has to call in black boat jones and uh, his uh daughter sydney um in order to save the day uh then let's set that up and away we go because that just means that uh, we have a karate school going up against the mafia, and who doesn't love that, right? That's right. So what were some standout scenes for you, sir, in this first movie? Oh, gosh. Um, The final scene uh, clearly was... uh, I honestly don't think... I I couldn't believe my eyes when I was watching it. (laughs) Right. Because it was pretty pretty long. It was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, and uh, they were fighting in a giant sea of car wash bubbles, which was completely and totally ridiculous to me. I thought it was so funny. Um, Yeah, so just to explain to people who haven't seen the film, there's a car chase that ends up at a... uh, It's like a dump truck, garbage truck... uh, uh, Parking area, I guess. So they're like the what is it? The the 
city dump or something, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Um, and there's all these garbage trucks, uh, and there's obviously a uh, car wash there or a truck wash there, um, and the cars go through it, which creates all these bubbles, which miraculously creates about three feet of bubbles throughout the entire uh, parking structure. And while Jim Kelly uh, beats people up repeatedly <laughs> in the bubbles, Gloria Hendry is hoisting them up over her head into a garbage truck. And mashing them in a garbage truck essentially although uh-huh. although the police then drive the truck away as if they're all somehow contained inside but i <laughs> thought that crushed the gar- garbage so i would have assumed they'd all be killed but i don't know <laughs> the uh yeah no i i i don't know that that particular truck maybe just kind of dumped the trash into the bigger part of the truck who knows but it is nice to think that maybe they got squished um <laughs> But there was no indication they did. There was no, no like there blood or anything coming out of it. You, it was all done very slapstick. Right. Oh, that was the other thing that I, that that really jumped out at me was that there was no blood in this movie. Not no. not not even a teeny tiny bit. Um, which I thought was interesting considering that it's rated R. I don't know. I I don't. Nothing jumps out at me. As I'm thinking about it right now, nothing jumps out at me that would say, oh, yeah, this is a rated R movie. I didn't find the language to be that severe. Um, there's, no the fight, nudity, you know, right? there's, there's no nudity, right? Yeah, there's, there's no nudity. The, the, you know, the fight scenes aren't like super violent. There's no blood. So that's pretty interesting to me. I don't know why it would have gotten a rated R because I always thought that the rating system was a little bit more lax back in the day. Uh, seeing as how they show boobs in a PG movie called The Beastmaster. Right. But Black Belt Jones gets rated R. So that, that was I thought that was kind of interesting. Look at it. Um, Army of Darkness, when it first came out, was rated NC-17. And that has crazy. talking skeletons in it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's all a bit... I think also, um, from what I've understood from previous like rating debacles in yeah. the U.S., it comes down to um, the politics of the movie and what the movie is, rather than often what it contains. For That's example, what I was thinking that it might be. Yeah. You you look at the slasher movies. Yeah. Friday the Thirteenth are all cut to hell because the <laughs> MPAA decided to make a an example of them because they were high profile slasher movies. Yeah. You and I know there are other slasher movies that were either rated PG or R that have way more gore and way more violent effects in them and eye pops and head crushes and all sorts of stuff that aren't edited at all because the MPA weren't trying to make an example of them because they saw them as B-movies, whereas the Friday the 13th were made by a major studio. So it may be the case that because some other movies of the exploitation era had been rated a slightly higher rating and because also they wanted to get a certain audience in to see this. In other words, they didn't necessarily want kids going in to see Black Belt Jones, even though there's yeah. nothing in it they couldn't see. Um, uh, they they wanted to gear it towards an adult audience and putting an R rating on it, even though there's no content in it that really deserves it, kind right. of um, allows that. The, the The third thing is probably, and I don't know what it was like here, but I know in the UK that when the Hong Kong films came out and then later when there were films that featured things like nunchucks and things like that, um, even right down to, by the way, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, yeah. <laughs> they, were re- they were renamed in the UK Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. They weren't allowed to be ninjas. <laughs> and any sequence with nunchucks was cut out. So it, wow. may, it may just be that 
karate movies, Hong Kong movies, uh, the violence was enough. Like the yeah. idea that he goes around and beats up 17 people in one scene or whatever it is, <laughs> is enough for it to get an R rating. I don't know. Uh, bullshit politics. Yeah, it is. It's all, it's all <laughs> bullshit politics. But I think that, I think certainly with the MPA, from everything I've looked into, there is no rhyme or reason. At least when you look yeah. at the BBFC, with, which is the, the certificate um, uh, censorship board in the U- UK, at least they drew a line across certain things. They were like uh, excessive gore, uh, no. Uh, sexual violence, no. Um, mm. Extreme uh, uh, weaponry in terms of like ninja stars and nunchucks, no. <laughs> but at least they made like that line. At least yeah. it was like across the board. So, um, uh, you know, enter the ninja... And uh, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got, got the same treatment. It wasn't like they were like, well, we need to take one out and, uh, and keep the yeah. other. The, it was across the board. They had their standards, and that's what they lived up to. The MPEA seems to just pick on certain movies. That's how yeah. I've kind of heard it. Like, um, Kevin Smith gets told to take some stuff out of his films in order to get a rating, but something about Mary or American Pie is allowed to have you know graphic nudity and and right. cum yeah. jokes and whatever so it's it's <laughs> just i think they pick on certain people i really do from from everything i've heard I don't so like maybe, it. Maybe that. No, I don't <laughs> like it either. Um, and and anyone going, well, this is an R movie. I can't show my kids. I would mm. happily show my kids Black Belt oh, Jones. Hell yeah. In fact, hell I yeah. think my kids would fucking enjoy it. Like people punching each other in bubbles. It's like an episode of the A Team or something. It's great. It's it's almost like a live action cartoon in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And there's even that, like the hilarious sequence where they decide that they have to um, have a love affair crop up between Jim Kelly and Gloria Hendry. So there's this incredible uh, um, montage that starts off with them fighting, right? Um, Are you talking about the scene on the beach? Yeah. Isn't there a little bit of nudity when they knock over the tent? Don't two naked people run out of the tent? Oh, I don't remember. It's very, very possible. Um, I think there's an implication when they knock over a beach tent yeah. that there are two people having sex in the tent. But I don't really think you see anything. Maybe you see a couple yeah. of butts as they run away. But, I mean, it's nothing like you say you wouldn't see an airplane or police right. academy or something. But I was I was going to bring up the beach, the overextended, overlong uh, beach scene with the two of them kind of like playfully uh, like r- wrestling and, and fighting each other on the beach. Yeah, that that goes up. I, I was like watching that, and it just kept like, you know, I'm like wa- looking at my watch as it's happening. And I'm like, wow, this scene is like really, really long. And I get what they're trying to do, but it, it didn't have to be this long. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I was, I was, they would first for an 85 minute movie, and this is not a huge criticism of it. Right. There are a couple of set pieces where you're like, no, no, we get it. It's fine. Yeah, that um, was one. And yeah, but it was interesting because. Um, uh, I went to see John Wick 2 recently, and I'm going to review that film later with Doc. Nice. Um, and, and again, not a huge criticism of it, but there were a couple of sequences in that where I'm like, you know what? I've kind of got the point. You've shot 15 people. You don't need <laughs> to shoot another 35. No, oh, wait, no, you need to shoot another 75. Oh, wait, no, you're going to shoot 110. Like, it, 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 it kind of... Uh, uh, was a bit like that in the same way with Black Belt Jones. The other thing that I noticed in Black Belt Jones, I don't know if you saw this, but the same uh, stunt people who were dressed up as goons um, got beaten up 
multiple times because uh, Robert Klaus didn't bother to have them change their outfits. So you <laughs> see the same dude. There's a dude wearing a white T-shirt with blue trim, like blue yeah. neck, blue, blue uh, uh, sleeve trim, and a pair of tight 70s jeans who's got a bit of a gut, who gets beaten up, I think, like on five different occasions in five <laughs> different sequences wearing exactly the same stuff. And I don't know whether he was meant to be a character, but we were never introduced to him. He just gets indiscriminately beaten up. And even in the foam sequence at the end, stands up and gets beaten up again like five times in a row. I was just like, wow, this is incredible. You know? <laughs> yeah, there was a quite, quite a few guys in that movie that took uh, several, several beatings. <clears throat> but were there any other moments that stood out to you? Um, I would, th- those, those are the two pretty much. I watched it. Um, I think I watched it. Did I watch it last weekend or the weekend before? So I watched it a while ago, but those, those two scenes definitely. And, and it, it did happen a couple of times throughout the movie where a scene went on a little bit longer than it probably needed to. Um, but though, but uh, the, the end fight scene, um, uh, the first time the, uh, I wouldn't know what to call them. I guess like the militant, the, the the black militant fellas showed up at the and that was another thing that that was interesting to me too was that they had uh, oh like the black panthers two, kind of group yeah they had two black groups kind of going against each other which I mean I don't I, you know, I don't know dude I I'm like a skinny white guy that grew up in the Massachusetts suburbs okay I have like no exposure to right. a, a lot of that stuff especially when I was growing up I mean now a little bit more than before but um well, I, I just I... thought that that was interesting that they had two uh two black groups going against each other and I think I guess maybe I expected it to be a little bit more like black gun where it was like a like a black versus white kind of thing i don't know why but i think with isn't it isn't it that the uh, mafia are using like a local like a local like drug drug dealer dealer and his hoods yeah to like shake down the karate school something like that right yeah um because i'm i'm with you okay so I woke up early one Saturday morning and couldn't get back to sleep. So I put my iPhone on the the side of the bed and uh, put my headphones in. And I watched both of these movies back to back on Brown brown Sugar. Now, I had seen Black Belt Jones a couple of times before. But it's not the kind of movie where the plot is abundantly clear. You know who Mm. the good guys and the bad guys are. But I couldn't quite tell you sort of what any of their affiliations are, you know? Right. but you're right. There's the there's the big dude with the beard and the loud shirts who's always trying to like um, pot pool balls into people's teeth, right? Yeah. So there's that dude, and he is kind of used to shake down the karate school, I think. That's right. Yeah, I'm I'm reading it right now, and it's the Mafia Don and uh, Pinky. Pinky is their uh, representative in the urban area. Right, right, right. Yeah. And Pinky's the one that tries to shake down Papa Bird and get him to sell his karate school. Papa Bird, played by the wonderful Scatman Crothers. Everyone will know that from The Shining. That's right. Um, as, as well as some other wonderful performances uh, in a variety of films. Uh, he's in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, hmm. also with Jack Nicholson. No, he plays um, a uh, like a... Uh, Orderly. Uh, yes, an orderly. Yeah, he plays an orderly. Um, around this time, he's in Slaughter's Big Ripoff. Um, that's one of the, the famous ones he's in. Uh, Black Belt Jones, he's in Truck Turner. 
Um, he is in a bunch of TV stuff. Um, I don't know what else he's... Um, he's like... Oh, he's in Friday Foster. Um, he's uh, One Flew of the Cooker's Nest, Friday Foster, The Shootist. The Aristocats. Silver Streak, <laughs> he shows up in. Oh, um, so yeah, he's in a he's in a ton of stuff and uh, has that wonderful name and wonderful presence. Um, so yeah, I was going to talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, the the acting, like Jim Kelly, is cool as fuck. Like just on screen, yeah, yeah. he just has an incredible <laughs> presence. But he's not like a wonderful dramatic actor or even no. a particularly strong comedic actor. He's just cool as fuck. Um, Gloria Hendry, I feel like, does the heavy lifting where sort of acting, quote-unquote, is concerned. She's a much stronger um, actor in the more traditional sense, I mean. Yeah, she's got a fair amount of dialogue. Jim Kelly has, like, hardly any dialogue. Um, She she has quite a bit, I think, actually. So, uh, yeah, she was great. She was great. And isn't Jim Kelly meant to be, like, an old agent or something? Like, like... Not necessarily this, but the only example I can think of, like an FBI agent or some kind of like law enforcement agent, or is that what you mean? Yeah, because he's not affiliated with the karate school. Why are the? You're right, because in the beginning they have that whole big they have that whole big scene, and they're all like, "Oh, we better call Black Belt Jones," and they call him, and he's like, "No, no, I'm good. I don't." I think he says something like, "I don't do that anymore," or something like that. But it's also, to me, it was inferred he's he's. When they call him, he's at some kind of a like a TV show taping or whatever. And to me, it was inferred that he is like a bodyguard of these two other guys that were there. Maybe I don't know. So maybe maybe he used to do that kind of thing, but he doesn't anymore. And now he's like private security for people or something. I have no idea. It was one of those <laughs> things where you know nowadays, nowadays in like a Jason Statham film or something. Yeah, that's one line of dialogue. You know, he'll be whatever his character is, a a chauffeur or, you know, a guy who's homeless or whatever it is. But then they'll have one line of dialogue. Well, he used to be in the SAS. So what that is, (laughs) what that line of dialogue means is when he does something ludicrously superhuman, it's because he was in the SAS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And the same goes for Black Belt Jones. I think they set it up simply to say, like... Um, this is why he can do everything he can do because he used to be in the FBI as if all FBI agents have the kind of karate training uh, yeah. he does. The government, um, used, the government used to trust him to get them out of sticky situations. Right. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of... Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ins and outs and setups and things like that and I'm not sure I particularly go deep into any of that. My, my nah. enjoyment of the movie is just the... Uh, incredible soundtrack and the like you say the the, funky funky it's very funky it's very cool and like you say the kind of fun entertaining um slapstick uh karate sequences that's that's really what it is would you recommend this if you if you like oh hell yeah yeah absolutely if i if 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 somebody nobody nobody would ever do this but if somebody came up to me and was like hey what You know what? I'm thinking about you know uh, de- delving into some black exploitation movies. What, what you know? I mean, aside from the fact that these are the only two I've ever watched, but yeah, this this one I would definitely I would definitely recommend just because it was so it was so fun. It did it reminded me of almost kind of uh, um, an amalgamation of Enter the Dragon and the last dragon it was right. to, to me it was kind of like those two movies put together 
and yeah no yeah. it is it is and 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 the last dragon owes a ton of Oh, yeah. uh, uh, stuff to this and also uh, other um, black exploitation and Hong Kong yep. movies. So, if someone came up to you and said, "Like, have you seen any good action movies lately?" Would yeah. this be one you mentioned, or would it only be if they were interested in like seventies uh, African American filmmaking, or would it would this just be one you would put out there just as an action movie, like a comedy action movie? Yeah, if they, if they were looking for recommendations for for older action movies, like if they had come up to me and told me, oh yeah, I just watched uh, you know Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and all that stuff, and they were looking for more, uh, they were looking for suggestions of things that maybe not a lot of people knew about or whatnot, I would definitely throw this one out there for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool, man. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that, and uh, I'm glad uh, Black Belt Jones, that was the first one you watched, was it? That was the first one I watched, yeah. Okay, cool. So that was your first ever. I'm I'm glad. I I do hope, genuinely, that you not only listen to the episodes that I've done with the other guys about these movies, and Mm -hmm. it's not just the last two. If you go back a couple of years, I did four episodes. I did one on Shaft, all three Shafts. I did one on, I think, Bucktown and Friday Foster. I did one on... um, the Slaughter films, which is sort of Jim Brown's character, Slaughter and Slaughter's big ripoff. And um, I did one other episode. I forget what it is now. Um, but I would well, I've got brown sugar now, so I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be doing some work over the next couple of weeks, probably. Definitely, man. Check it out <laughs> because I, I like I always say uh, 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 it's misrepresented as a genre. It's not a genre. It's a series of genres in an era. Yeah. Um, so if you like action movies, just go for the ones that look like action movies. Or mm-hmm. if you like westerns, go for the ones that are westerns or whatever. Um, and if you're not so much like if the if the and I'm with you in this to some extent the uh big hatted pimp uh you know drug dealers are the heroes yeah. kind of films <laughs> or like pimps wife beaters or whatever are the heroes of the movie i'm not as interested as that like willie dynamite right. willie dynamite i would recommend because it kind of flips that on its ear like yeah. it, it kind of uh, uh um upends your expectations of what that movie is but stuff like superfly and and some of the other ones they're good to watch uh if you want something that's kind of cultural from that era but it's right. they're, they're not particularly my first go-tos i like the jim brown's fred williamson uh, um jim kelly like action films yeah. or westerns or things and then secondary to that i like some of the the horror films um the scream blackula scream and uh, black frankenstein and things like that um <laughs> They're good fun. And again, I think that a lot of these movies, because they're, you know, Scream, Blackula Scream, or uh, 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 Black Frankenstein, or Black Belt Jones, or Black Gun, I think a lot of that, like the naming convention, kind of, it kind of excludes them from people's minds, not due to race, but just due to, like, they like, oh, those are those movies. Yeah. You know, like, people don't mention Black Belt Jones in the same breath that they mentioned uh, um, Hard Target or whatever. I mean, obviously, right. Hard Target is 15 years later and it has more production value and it has more money and it has more flash and whatever. But essentially, it's the same thing. It's a martial artist yep. going up against a bunch of guys. And just, you know, people watch Enter the Dragon with such reverence. Um, and and imbue um, not only um, Bruce Lee but also Chuck Norris and people like that with these yeah. sort of iconic uh, status because of that. But the the martial arts in that is as in terms of movie martial arts, maybe not martial arts in reality, but in terms of movie martial arts, 
is as primitive as uh, Black Belt Jones in terms of um, what we're used to seeing in contemporary cinema. I mean, if yep. you put this, if you're expecting the raid when you go into Black Belt Jones, or if uh-huh. you're even if you're expecting Above the Law with Steven Seagal when you go into Black Belt Jones, you're, it's not going to be the same thing. Um, <laughs> so the sophistication of how we filmed martial arts and how we film action movies, both the Hong Kong films and the um, Western films uh, have both exponentially improved and exponentially yep. uh, become more glossy and thing. So I, I think that people, if people can watch Enter the Dragon and see it for the masterful and impressive film that it is, they need to be able to do the same with um, uh, whether it's Black Belt Jones or whether it's Hot Potato or whether it's um, Three the Hard Way or any of those films. I think. Yeah. Um, because I think they all come from a similar era and, and they all come from an era where uh, we're trying to figure out like how is it we put martial arts, even though it's obviously ancient for, for Asia, it's fairly new to um, westernize, how do we put that on the screen? And I think Black yeah. Belt Jones is, is as good an example of that as, as any of the others. I'm with you. Excellent, sir. The After Movie Diner with John Cross will return right after this. Hey guys, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host Brendan and I as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast. And we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see everything about us, including our social medias at InSessionFilm.com. So join us every week. We'd absolutely love to have you. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Adam. And we encourage you to come listen to a very special program. A podcast, unlike anything you've heard before. Right, Brian? What? No, dude. Everyone has a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. What's our show about? We talk about comedy, sports, science, topical news, meat hunting, music, podcasting, Matthew McConaughey, vision, health and fitness, horse cocks, technical difficulties, buffaloes, popular culture, maybe a little too much about the Asians. Check us out on Twitter at EHAP Podcast. Listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher or through our website www.ehappodcast.com. Contact us directly through ehappodcast at gmail.com. Like and subscribe on YouTube under ehappodcast. We're also on Facebook and Grindr. Really? We're on Facebook? I think so. You're listening to the sweet sounds of the After Movie Diner. Support us at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash After Movie Diner. Or I'll punch you in the teats. Rate and review us on iTunes, Earthling. Well, let (laughs) us go on to Black Gun, which is Ah. a, a film. And again, this should show you the two completely, like, two completely different moods, two completely different genres can exist within the same era um, because this is 
a far more serious film, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the plot is much more involved. Uh, well, I mean, the plot's much more involved, but it, it, it still isn't like, uh, you know, it's not like we're watching Inception or anything like that. No, right, no. <laughs> but it's... it is definitely a more involved plot. There's a little bit more story to it. And um, I like that uh, Jim Brown plays a kind of a, um, uh, in some ways, he plays kind of a reluctant hero. Um, I really enjoyed that. And I thought he was really good in it, honestly. I mean, he doesn't say much, but. I mean, I was I he's Jim Brown, Hall of Fame football player. I didn't really expect a whole lot from him, but I thought he was really good. No, and, and Dina, Dina and I actually just got done watching it not even like an hour ago. So and did she enjoy it? She loved it, too. Yeah, she thought it was super fun. And it was she was just like, oh, my God, it was it was really different. And it was really and it was really fun. And yeah, she enjoyed it. No, what what is incredible when you think of sort of uh, uh, sports stars becoming actors, which is you know, nothing new and also nothing that we've given up. There's plenty of sports stars that have gone on to be actors. But what what strikes you certainly about him and Fred Williamson is just how good they are at yeah. at acting. I mean, and, and not only that is because um, there's that indefinable quality that they say Hollywood stars have, whether it's the Hollywood stars of the 30s and 40s or whether it's today, and it's the yeah. indescribable, like, the camera just loves them. They're just yep. charismatic it, on screen, no matter what yeah. they're doing. Um, and Jim Brown has that in, like, just fucking tons of that, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and this is interesting because it is a, uh, no, you know, it is a noir film. It is a, um, like you say, a reluctant hero film. It's not an action film in the way that the, uh, trailer and the poster and everything else kind of indicate it's going to be it's not even a revenge vigilante thriller in the way that something like a death wish is it kind of goes that way eventually but it takes it takes an hour of the movie before you know jim brown really starts going out and kind of cracking skulls in any kind of big way yeah it's a good um it's a good kind of build up and delivery almost because you're just kind of almost uh, maybe not quite the, the exact impact that it has, but it's almost kind of the same as uh, in Fist of Fury when you're just waiting for for Bruce Lee to finally just be like, fuck it, I'm going to kick everybody's ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for, for this movie, it was kind of the same thing where you're just like, all right, man, Jim Brown, he's kind of just, he's kind of staying out of it right now. Um, but sooner or later, he's going to, he's going to start getting involved and he's going to start, you know, he's going to start laying the smack down. And, uh, and then when he does, it's like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> and what's really interesting as well is that this is definitely one of the movies um, that has, a lot of um, uh, sorry, what was I say? Oh, this is one of the movies that definitely, definitely has a racial society yeah, undertone def- thing. Um, this is definitely uh, one a lot of, of those cringy, films. Uh, a lot of cringy dialogue in some in some ways. Well, no, no, but what what I mean is is that uh, the the interesting thing about the film is there is the. Uh, Jim, uh, sorry, Jim Brown's brother um, is a member of a uh, a black militant group called in the movie Black Action Group. 
Yep, bag. Um, and their thing is essentially to uh, take it to the man in any way they can. So they're going to yep. rob banks and they're going to beat people up. And There's no thought as... It's not the Black Panthers, which had a more sort of political manifesto. And yes, they were violent. And yes, they believed in yeah. in, in, in certain uh, things that, you know, would necess- wouldn't necessarily be um, what Martin Luther King would suggest. But there was... Um, they were at least a politically minded group. This group seems a lot less organized and a lot more uh, criminal just for the sake of being criminal. And they want to justify that by saying like, well, we're going to steal from white guys or we're going to beat up white guys or we're going to fuck over white businesses or whatever it is. Um, And that's that's as far as their politics seems to go. I don't remember them sort of getting any deeper than that, really. No, Um, they didn't. (laughs) <laughs> Jim Brown, on the other hand, is he's a business owner. Yep. Um, and uh, he is his way of kind of sticking it to the man, as it were, is to run his business and be successful and get his big mansion and all the rest of it. However, uh, it is understood that his is an African American only. Uh, establishment. Um, right. There is there is a case where I think is it the governor who is being sort of congressman. Bought, yeah. Congressman, that's it. Who's being sort of paid off by the mafia? Tries to come in and uh, uh, to his place and sit down and whatever. And you know he is very clear to him, like, no, we don't have your sort in here. And right. he's like, are you discriminating against me? He's like, yes, of course I'm discriminating. Against you. Like, <laughs> um, and his thing is more like, well, I'm just going to do unto you what you guys did to us, which was not let us into your establishments and tell us we had to drink from a different fountain or go to the bathroom in a different bathroom or right. what, not be able to work the jobs that we're, and I'm going to, I'm fine. I'm going to be that guy, but he doesn't want to, he's not a take it to the street, black power March kind of nope character he does it in, he does it in his own way yeah and he's in a more sort of diplomatic way and and right. his brother he doesn't condemn his brother he understands right. where his brother's actions and beliefs are coming from um but he certainly warns him that what he's right. doing is kind of stupid and reckless i think right yeah absolutely not not the best idea and it's and and you know, if he fucks up, he's going to get himself killed. So I think that's all. That also goes goes into it as well. And so the the, the crux of the movie is that um, his brother, along with some bag members, uh, knock over a bookmaking operator, a mafia bookmaking operation, and in the process of stealing the money, also steal. Uh, essentially a bit like Al Capone. They steal, like, the records. They steal, like, the books and the records and the, yeah. the who's getting paid from who and who's doing what. So yeah. um, all of and, – and it's put in uh, Gunn's uh, uh, safe in his mansion. Um, and so when his brother is uh, killed um, by uh, some mafia hoods – um, that are hired by Martin Landau, of all people. The great um, Martin Landau. <laughs> the great Martin Landau in this movie. He's phenomenal. Um, they, uh, Gunn is then has two situations. First of all, he has leverage because he has the books. And secondly, he has a desire for vengeance uh, because obviously they killed his brother. So that's yep. kind of the two things that then go on. Um, and the uh, assassin... 
the head assassin uh, by the uh, uh, crime uh, syndicate or the mafia, whatever you want to call them, oh, that boy. is hired is none other than another Bond alumni, Bruce yeah. Glover, father <laughs> to uh, Crispin Glover. Whoa, oh, my gosh. That, okay, that makes total sense now because they do kind of look alike, so that's funny. And they're both <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Mr. Wint. Mr. Wint. Mr. Wint <laughs> from Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's... um. Uh, it's a it's a much more twisty, turny, involved, um, socially uh, aware film yep. than um, Black Belt Jones. So what yeah. did you? So so go through it with me, dude. Like you you sit down, you start to watch it after Black Belt Jones. What are you thinking? Are you thinking this is going to be like? Just Jim Brown going around and kicking ass? What do you think? Yeah, I, I pretty much did think that that was what it was going to be. I didn't expect it to have um, – I didn't expect it to – jeez. It's so funny because I'm, I'm, I'm all like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect it to have such an involved plot. But it still doesn't really. It was just more of an involved plot than Black Belt Jones. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it's, it's as involved as – um, most sort of uh, revenge thrillers or gangster films, yeah. there there isn't. Um, I I feel like they make an effort. There's a there's a script. There's a reason why they're making the film. There are yep. some social elements. There's some dramatic elements. There's some action elements. Like I feel like it's a a, a movie that they've put a fair decent ton of effort in. I mean, I kind of feel like this is. Jim Brown's answer to uh, Black Caesar, Hell Up in Harlem yep. meets Death Wish. That's kind of his answer to those movies. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I love seeing all the actors that I recognized again. I'm just, it's, I don't know why it's so weird to me to, <laughs> to see them in other movies, but it's like uh, it was that time period. So obviously, you're going to see some people that you recognize from other films from that time period. Um, but uh, yeah, it was another one of those another one of those instances where I honestly didn't really know what to expect when I started it. I was just thinking, "All right, here we go," and it's going to be it's going to be. I, I assumed it was going to be a black versus white thing, which in this particular instance it was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly kind of speechless about it because I did, I did really enjoy it and I had a lot of fun watching it and I'm still processing it. Yeah. So you just finished this before we started to record. Yeah. Like about an hour ago. So I have to say when I, when I watched this and this was, I think my second watch of this particular movie, because it's, I like it. I can't say it's my favorite. I think Slaughter yeah. is a much better Jim Brown film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's he, a little slow. It's a little slow. It's a little slow. Bit. And I also feel that the, uh, the, the plot, while the the basic plot is is very easy to figure out but there is a lot of who's on whose side who's being bought out who isn't um uh who is directly responsible who isn't there's a lot of stuff like that in the film that i'm not a hundred percent clear on even now having seen it a couple of times it's not entirely clear um 
who is in cahoots with who because there are a lot of times where you think someone's on gun side and he isn't and then you think someone's not on gun side and he turns out to be um so that always slightly confused me and that's more down to a lack of uh, uh obvious scripting i guess that's that sort of a lot of these seventies movies, and it's not just black exploitation movies, but a lot of seventy seventies movies in general, um, leave a lot to the audience to kind of work through. And you have yeah. to remember, like I sat watching this in a I can't sleep kind of haze on a Saturday morning, yeah. so that may be <laughs> why I didn't pick up on absolutely everything. And uh, the last time I watched it before then was probably ten years ago or uh, thereabouts. Um, yeah. So. There's that which always kind of takes me out of a film because I'm sat there going, wait a minute, is the is the Congress guy on his side? Is he not on his side? Is that guy on his <laughs> side? I, I can't quite figure it out. Um, there's some pretty impressive fight scenes, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But again, like I don't remember him. He doesn't kill Bruce Glover, does he? But he does beat the living shit out of him, and then he's yeah. just out of the movie. Yep. Yeah, he just kind of disappears. It was kind of weird. Right, um, I'm right in that. Right, he, you, we don't yeah, see him. So, yeah. We don't see him like die, no. but we don't see him come back either. No, he just he literally they go into a room and he destroys the room with Bruce Glover <laughs> as if Bruce Glover was like a feather duster or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but he throws him into shelving units and onto tables and smashes through. Sh- oh my god! Now that you're saying it, I'm thinking about it. Like, yeah, that was. That whole scene happened. It was at uh, Bruce Glover's character's mother's uh, apartment, which I thought was pretty funny. This is my mother's house. You better have respect for it. What? Yeah, right. Um, But then, but that, yeah, that whole fight scene happened, and then all of a sudden, yeah, he was gone. He wasn't. He wasn't involved anymore. I thought that was kind of strange. Um, I do have to, of course, point out again. All these actors are great, but I have to point out the great Bernie Casey, who. Was also a star in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. But um, I remember him. What shit? What the fuck do I remember him most from? Revenge of the Nerds. Um, <laughs> right? I'm like thinking, I was just gonna. Uh, yeah, so uh, no, I love Bernie Casey. I think he's awesome. Um, and it was cool seeing him, seeing him in this movie. So Bernie Casey, who is also in Never Say Never Again, which is not an oh, official no, no. James Bond film. Not part uh, of the official canon, right? It is a Bond film. He's in Bill and yeah. Ted's Excellent Adventure, of course. Uh, uh, that's right. Yep. He's in Under Siege. Uh, so he has been in um, uh, a Seagal movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is in The Mouth of Madness, so he is in a John Carpenter movie. He is in Street Night, so he is in a Jeff Speakman movie <laughs> to bring the Speakman back into it. Um what? He was in um, uh, Hammer, Slammer, and Slade, which was a TV movie uh, by the makers of I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that never, by Keenan Ivory Waynes, that never went full uh, series with it. They just got an extended pilot. I believe it's on um, uh, Brown Sugar. I believe it's on there, and it's just 60 minutes long, but it's a continuation... Jim Brown is in there as Slammer, and Bernie Casey is in there as John Slade. It's a continuation of their characters from Moment to Get You Sucker, I believe. He has great names in all the movies that he's in, though. John Slade. Uh, Kirkland uh, Smith in another Colonel. 48 Hours. 
Colonel Rumbus and Spies Like Us. Yeah. Um, uh, there was another good one down here. Thorny Thornberry and Trapper John M.D. <laughs> he's, de- he's Detective Tom Reese in Steel Justice. There you go. Uh, starring uh, the wonderful Martin Cove as John Steele. Nice. Uh, but no, he's uh, Bernie Casey. Definitely, I mean, not iconic in the way that Fred, Jim, and Pam are, but right. uh, certainly has in terms of being in major motion pictures, mm-hmm. um, probably has the most successful career as a, I mean, as a character actor, essentially. Yeah. Um, because he crops up in these movies mostly in character roles. He very rarely is a lead role in any of the films. Look up his filmography and see what other stuff he was in around this time, see if he showed up in any of these other um Black exploitation movies because I don't. Uh... He did. He showed up in Hitman, uh, <laughs> the film Hitman as Tyrone Tackett. Uh, he's also in which I, what I mentioned earlier, Cleopatra Jones. Okay, Doctor uh, Black and Mister Hyde. Yeah, he's in that. Um, so well, again, they they kind of redid a lot of the um, okay. Universal monsters, but as uh, African American stories. Yeah, and again, as silly as that sounds, or or as as as. Um, on the nose, I guess, as that sounds, I would suggest watching them because they actually they actually use the characters to bring in issues within their own community, which is actually fascinating and actually elevates the movies well above their again slightly ridiculous titles, which I kind of spoke about. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, Bernie Casey is definitely one from this era that is, I think, most recognizable to a wider audience. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you could argue Pam Greer is as well, certainly post-Jackie yeah. Brown to a wider audience. And by a wider audience, yes, I mean white. Yeah. Um, uh, or And I mean white people, white people who don't go beyond their own kind of... Uh, uh, genres uh, or eras Um, like me (laughs) like you but I feel like that's not that's that's only because you kind of you grew up it's not out of any uh, um, well maybe it is maybe it's just you were like no I don't want to watch those movies I don't know Um, yeah no it wasn't that it was it was it was just um, yeah I don't know I every you know when I when I would go to the video store, I was looking for other stuff. It was that that was that was pretty much it, really. It was just that right. I never I never thought to to seek out or um, delve into this. But you don't like exploitation movies in general. Like, forget black exploitation movies. You don't tend to watch weird Italian alien films or. I- don't mad don't. zombie films or like you don't watch giallo films or no. like um but you watch hong kong i mean you watch you've seen like some of the classic action stuff i yep. guess um no. but you've not you you know it's not like you delve into like me and mo and other people watch mad b movies like you'll watch yeah, them if I'd, we tell you I'd to watch them to, i'd love to you know delve into more of them yeah but they're like they're they're not my uh, they're not my go to I guess we'll say. And I think what you'll find, dude, especially if you start up this other podcast, is like me. I thought when I started a podcast that I had seen a ton of movies. Yeah. Like I thought I was Mister Movies, and not just <laughs> um, 
A pictures, but plenty of B pictures. Like I yeah. thought I'd seen loads of straight to video stuff, and I thought I I knew seventies and eighties horror, for example. Yeah. Um, and then I met Mo, and then I met Doug, and then I met yeah. uh, you know um, John and Axel over at Profondo Cinema, and I met a whole bunch of people um, and Doc who introduced me to not whole new genres but whole new uh, uh, areas of those genres and whole yeah. new actors and things like that. And, you know, like I said before, I had dipped my toe into this era before, but I have watched way more of it over the last 10 years than I ever had yeah. beforehand, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that you'll find that when you start your own podcast and you run out of uh, your area to really, like, watch and focus on. Right then you'll expand yourself and or expand your viewing and, and go off into some weird little areas for which I hope you'll ask Mo or I what you should be checking out. Cause absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean like, you know, um, uh, you know, something like cue the winged serpent, you probably haven't seen. So it's not oh. like, it's not cause these movies are African American. It's just that these movies are, uh, weird seventy genre films that you haven't right. got into. Yeah, yet. and I yeah I don't I don't I don't venture into the into seventies or earlier very often. It's usually eighties and later that I'm looking at. What about stuff like um, the movie Brat stuff? So stuff like the Scorsese and the Coppola and um, De Palma and things like that. Do you even kind of go back to the seventies with those kind of movies or not really? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the only one that comes to mind right off the bat when you say Scorsese is a uh, taxi driver. So, I mean, I love taxi driver. Um, can you give me some, uh, some examples of uh, De Palma and, and well, stuff like, uh, I mean, there's obviously there's the main ones are like Godfather apocalypse. Now uh, yeah, the, yeah. Com the conversation uh, with De Palma. Um, Definitely Godfather. Well, obviously he does carry, which everyone knows, but he does like early eighties. He does dress to kill, Blowout, Scarface, Body Double, things like that. Yeah. Um, Phantom of the Paradise, Obsession. Oh, earlier. Phantom of the Paradise, I need to see for sure. Um, so those kind of films. Um, who else is sort of in that group? So there are some '70s things you delve into, just not, not hugely. Right. Like, I mean, sense. if you go, I just did a Google search for best movies of the 70s, and it brings up, like, The Exorcist and Jaws and Taxi Driver, Clockwork Orange, and, you know, all the normal stuff, but, um, which I've, you know, which I've seen most of them, but, uh, like, Chinatown, I've never watched Chinatown, I've never watched French Connection, I've never watched Dog Day Afternoon, uh, I've never watched The Sting, uh, The Conversation, yeah, I've never seen that one. I love Deliverance, I love The Deer Hunter. So I've seen a, I've seen a fair amount, but actually I wouldn't even say that I've seen a fair amount. I've seen you know the big ones, but I would definitely like to broaden my horizons when it comes. Is, uh, is like coffee, French Connection? I've never seen French Connection. Is Coffee or Shaft on that list? Uh, no. No, it's a it's a fucked up yeah. list then. Because <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Coffee and Shaft, two of the best movies of the '70s, hands fucking down. Shaft, Shaft for me is up there with any movie that Humphrey Bogart ever made, and I'm not even yeah. kidding. Um, and yeah. Coffee, Coffee is if if you want to know why uh, Sigourney Weaver or Linda Hamilton or Cynthia Rothrock or uh, any of those 
sort of movie uh, kick-ass ladies of the 80s got to yeah. do what they were doing? It's Pam Grier. Uh, it all emanates from from Mother Pam. So uh, you gotta you got to check out some Pam I got Grier work then. to do. Oh, dude. But, I mean, it has, like, this list has Grease, uh, yeah. Three Days of the Condor, Last Hang on Paris, Eraserhead, uh, See, Serpico, I, which I loved, MASH, Saturday Night Fever. See, having, you know, to, to me, having Saturday Night Fever and Grease on that list and not yeah. having uh, Coffee or Shaft on that list, let alone yeah. Slaughter and Hell Up in Harlem and some of the others, uh, that, to me shows you how critics certainly and i fucking hate 99.9% of critics oh, critics doesn't. certainly do not consider this a critic worthy era and yeah. they are talking out of their ass <laughs> they really are because to put fucking grease yeah on a list and not put fucking shaft like that's just stupid that is so, just hands down. So, Greece is iconic. I'm not knocking yeah. Greece, but I'm saying if you're going to go top like 20 movies of the 70s, you know, I put fucking yeah. shaft on there. You're an idiot. That's my <laughs> problem. Anyway, um, so so sorry. Yeah, back to Black Gun. Um, yeah. So uh, what what are the what are the scenes that that stick out to you from from the movie, and what what is it that that really? Oh, what did you and Dina like about it when you finished, and you both like looked at each other? What what was the like things you were talking about? I I think I think the thing that that stuck out the most for us when we were done was that it was just different than it was different than all the other movies that we watched together. Um, I mean, most of the movies that we watched together are new are new films. Um, and I have been showing her a lot of films from the 80s because she's a little bit younger than I am um, and missed out on all that good shit. So <laughs> I've been showing her a lot of that stuff. But, yeah, I mean. <sighs> Would, do you think you guys will sit and watch uh, movies from this era together again? Was she, was she like, wow, I need to see a few more of these things? Um, I didn't get that kind of reaction. Okay. <laughs> I, I did. I would, I'm uh, definitely going to seek out more and, and watch more. Um, I think it'll be one of those things where, where I'll be doing it on my own from here on out. But okay. she, you know, didn't loathe the experience, if I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's all right, dude. I I totally and utterly get it. There are some films I watch that Kim's like, really? Okay, I'm not watching this. <laughs> hey, <laughs> look, and there but it are other nice movies. to have her there watching with. Of me. course, no, no, I get it. Our ladies, our ladies do what they can, and then Definitely. then then they go off and do their own thing if they don't want to be bothered. I get it. I That's... totally get it. There are movies, <laughs> there are movies I can sit and watch with Kim, and she absolutely adores that. I've never been able to sit and watch with any other woman. So yeah. th- that is to me priceless so uh the fact that occasionally i watch movies that she like rolls her eyes out and walks away i'm like that's fine most people have that like most guys and women have that with almost every fucking movie the guy wants to watch you know what i mean so uh it, it is what it is um but i'm feeling from you that like black gun didn't speak to you in quite the same way that black belt jones did yeah, I think well, Black Belt Jones had the martial arts thing going for it, and and I had I I had a history with martial arts movies, and Black Gun was yeah, it was almost kind of a noir film in a way. It is definitely uh, yeah, it's a neo noir. Yeah, and I and I don't have a lot of 
experience with uh, noir movies. So that could have that could have been that could have had something to do with it. I mean, I did enjoy it, uh, but yeah, Black Bell Jones to me was just like when I was thinking about it, I was like, man, like this would have been the kind of movie in that era if I was if I was a young, you know. I don't know, I feel so weird saying this, but... <laughs> well, if you were like if a I, young black guy. If I, yeah, if I was a young black guy that even had some, like, young kids or whatever, I was like, oh, let's go see this, man. Like, Jim Kelly's a great, like, like Jim Kelly's a good role model in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, he kicks he kicks ass. I don't know. He's, like, a good hero. I would, like... In that, Black Belt Jones or in, in Black Gun? In Black Belt Jones. Right, right, right. Um... And it would have been like I just felt like it was that kind of movie that I would have been able to take my family to on like a Saturday afternoon and where just is, where is go Black, have fun at the movies. Yeah, whereas Black Gun is like an adult movie. Like yeah. it's an adult movie from start to finish. Yeah. It deals with adult things, and um, it's you know people either like something like Death Wish or they don't. You know what I mean? And and. This this certainly has more in common with the first couple of Death Wish. Obviously, yeah. by the time like Death Wish three and four come along, they're they're way more ludicrous <laughs> and stupid and over the top and yeah. more like the action movies of the eighties. But this definitely has something in common with uh, those earlier movies. It's not, and it, but it it's also not quite as arty as something like a uh, Taxi Driver or. Yeah. Um, it's not as thinky, it, but it has its it has its moments, and it's interesting uh, 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 to see the different levels of politics and society. I, I think the thing where Black Gun to me isn't wholly successful is that it, while it does examine the different aspects of uh, African American culture that's happening at the time, and certainly different aspects of their politics, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Um, it doesn't offer a lot of uh, reasons beyond the simplistic, and it doesn't yeah. offer much solution. Uh, um, it, it 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 just simply observes and uses those particular things that were going on at the time as a springboard for what is essentially a basic vengeance story. Right. Um, and to me, I find that it's better when they try and interweave that aspect of it more rather than just be like, well, this is the characters and now off we go and there's going to be vengeance and da 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 da. But but saying that, like, the action sequences are well done. The soundtracks are always impeccable. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Jim Brown is a great uh, uh, actor, a lot of charisma. Mm -hmm. Um, his, uh, His lady in the film, and I forget, is it Brenda Sykes? Yeah. Who plays Judith? Judith, yeah, uh, is wonderful in the film, um, and I, you know, it's one that I would strongly suggest, but it's yeah. not one that I would say to people start with that. Uh, yeah, it just is, and it's 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 um, it is because it's a little slow. It is because it's a little serious, and it is because I don't think it's quite. Um, it's. I don't think it's quite there yet in terms mm-hmm. of blending uh, genre with message. Uh, but uh, I would. I would always suggest Slaughter over Black Gun if you want to see yeah. a 
uh, Jim Brown movie of of yes. this era. I mean, obviously, Jim Brown shows up. Um, he's one of the earlier uh, actors um, to come out uh, of sports and things. He's in um, Dark of the Sun, The Dirty mm-hmm. Dozen, obviously, Ice Station Zebra, a lot of other movies, El Condor and things before he gets into... So by the time he's in Slaughter, he's actually been in the movie business almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, so Black Gun is... Uh, he is able to dip into and then uh, come out of the era um, in in a in a different way than than most, I think, mm-hmm. because he already had that Hollywood background of being in um, a couple of big movies, a couple honestly, of huge movies, yeah. yeah. So, um, so it's interesting, but at least I suppose in the black exploitation era, he gets to be a lead. Yeah. Uh, which he doesn't get in those earlier films. Right. Um, in those earlier films, he's certainly incredibly noticeable um, and, and, and very uh, commanding in his performances, but he gets to be a lead, I guess. But if I was going to say to someone, watch an action movie with Jim Brown in it where he's the lead, uh, I would go slaughter over Black Gun every every yeah. time. Um, and then I would actually follow it up with, with uh, Three the Hard Way, um, even before Black Gun. But that's because... Like we were saying uh, earlier, I'm more, you know, for entertain me, entertain me. Yeah. Like I like a good entertaining movie. And Black Gun is a bit slow in places and a bit yeah. serious in places and a little bit um, convoluted in places so that it, it doesn't quite have the flow that, that some other of the other movies have. Yeah, and well, and Three the Hard Way has the triple threat, man. Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, and Jim Kelly. Yeah, that's kind of like the expendables of uh, black exploitation <laughs> era. Um, so if you're like Three the Hard Way, dude, that's for you. You need to... That'll be the next one I watch probably. You, then. you need to check that out. They, they did a couple. They did Three the Hard Way and One Down, Two to Go, um, <laughs> which also then introduces Richard Roundtree. So oh, nice. <laughs> you get uh, uh, Richard Roundtree, Jim Kelly, Jim Brown, Fred Williamson from yeah. a movie by Fred Williamson and directed by Fred Williamson, one down, uh, two to go, uh, which then starts to involve people like the wonderful Joe Spinell and stuff like that as well. But no, um, Fred, long before other people, Fred realized um, that if they were going to continue to be successful because around 75, basically, the Hollywood studios pulled the plug on these movies yeah. to the extent that they were, um, uh, yeah, to the extent that they were a couple of years earlier, they they basically pulled the plug because they start to make money again. And the studios are like, okay, we don't need African-American audiences anymore because our movies are making uh, money again. Funny enough, once the sort of movie brats of stuff like Star Wars and Jaws and things like that start happening, yeah. these movies fall away. However, yeah. Fred continues uh, with Take the Hard Ride, uh, One Down, Two to Go, um, uh, and, and things like that, where he suddenly realizes, well, wait a minute, why don't we put three or four of us in this film? Like, that's the way we're going to continue to be successful. Um, mm-hmm. And he sees it with um, uh, Take the Hard Ride, which is a Western that they do. It's a spaghetti Western that they all do with Lee Van Cleef. <laughs> and again, you have Jim Kelly, Fred Williamson, Jim Brown, and Lee Van Cleef in a movie. Like, And that's what I mean. Like, when people start to delve into these films, it's like, seriously, guys, look him up. Because yeah. if you like mad spaghetti Westerns, well, here's one with fucking Fred Williamson, Jim Kelly, Jim Brown, and Lee Van Cleef in it. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> why wouldn't you want to fucking see that film? You know, oh, so um, that's 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 kind of why I I go on and on about these films as much as I yeah. do because I want people to kind of delve in. I think you're right about Black Gun. I was I like it, but I'm not overwhelmed by it. It's not yeah. one that I'm gonna uh, go out and tell people. You must watch. You must watch. But, dude, um, you've been a hell of a sport, and I hope I've I've made a convert, uh, and you're going to go on and watch some more. And I want you to come back next time you're on the show and report to me what you've seen. So I will be taking notes, and I will be watching you very closely, too. <laughs> All right, man. Anytime. Anytime you want me, I'm here. And, yeah, I mean, now that I have the Brown Sugar uh, streaming service, I think I'll probably check out at least a couple more. And, uh Definitely, perhaps, man. perhaps even continue on after my free week trial. Yeah, well, you should tweet Brown Sugar. I'm not even kidding. You should actually do this: tweet yep. Brown Sugar and say, "Hey, after movie diner, after movie diner introduced me to your app, and I'm loving it, or something like that." I'll do it. I will see, do it. See what they say. It's only like three bucks or four bucks or something. Once the uh... yeah, it's super cheap. I think it's three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Once the yep. the full thing, and it's got a good chunk of movies on there, and they're adding yeah. to it all the time. So I'm gonna. I I want to see more uh, genre stream channels like that. Like Shudder is awesome and Brown Sugar looks cool. I want to see some other ones. Me too. I want one that is 80s and 90s action movies that I curate. Like that I want one that's like we have all the Jeff Speakman movies. We have yep. all the um, Lorenzo Lamas movies. We all have all the <laughs> – like I want all that stuff. Like not not Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger because they're readily no. available. Everyone's seen Offbeat. I want offbeat stuff, quote, unquote. Offbeat. I want the 80s. I want the Doctor Action video streaming service. That's basically yeah. what I want. And uh, <laughs> I will kill everyone till I get it. That's how there I'm you feeling go. right now. But no, uh, Scott, thank you ever so much for being on the show, man. Well, thanks always, for having me. Always a good sport, always a legend, and you always have uh, an interesting take on things. And I hope uh, you go on and watch a lot more. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, dude. Take it easy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.